let's see here, January 19th. How does that work for you? I'm sorry to be jumping around. I just heard back from our cam girl. Oh, that's a Sunday. Does that work for you? It does. I have to go briefly to a baby shower, but I said I was I needed to leave, <laughs> so this will give me a good Oh my god. Experience. So you're I know and you do you know what the excuse is, right? Well, I'm going to tell her the truth. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, right? it's like that's going to be perfect. <laughs> This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. And then the other thing that we need to discuss that we've talked about in length about trying to book somebody on the show and we haven't yet yes. is the, I, I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly, perineum sunning? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Or perineum, how do you pronounce it? Perineum, yeah. Um, I just want to make it as awkward as possible for your friend who's sitting there listening she, in. She on can't all of this. hear. Well, she can hear me, and she has earbuds in. Right. All I heard was perineum. No, that's what yeah, I'm hoping. She, that said, she oh, just she, hears she, your side. She does. She goes. All I heard was perineum. Perfect. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> yeah, we haven't discussed this. We and didn't. I've been Why looking... do I feel like we did discuss it? We haven't. I feel like we've we've talked about like, oh, we got to get one of these people on the show. And we haven't found it. All I can find. I feel like Harry will know. Is all these... <laughs> That's true. Um, I mean, they're all going to be in St. Martin's starting next week. And like, there's going to be a whole world of people out there sunning their assholes. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, that's a good point. Is that is that considered appropriate for a nude beach? That seems like it might it be a bit much. Don't say how you do it. Oh, I don't. No, I don't do it. No. What'd you say? Well, no, I but I'm I just thinking. Right. No, I'm just thinking posture wise. It seems like that might not be the best thing to do on a nude beach. Yeah, it depends who's on the beach that day. Really? You see a lot of things on a nude beach. I understand this. Now, you're talking from the clothing optional beach that you have been to in. What's the name of the island again? St. Martin. Martin. Mm -hmm. But you you think this would be something they would allow there? Yes. Really? Is there no, um, not lifeguard, but like a... Not really. They're the people that sort of maintain the beach and no, make sure nobody creepy is there, but... Right. Can... But isn't somebody doing this a little bit on the creepy side? Well, it's creepy, but it's not creepy in the way of like they're true okay no um on the plus side i mean sorry, if josh Roland showed up um, i was gonna say which i'd let him do whatever the hell he wanted to well sure but um it's interesting like i i was gonna I mean, say that it's a goonie right in googling perineum sunning which you do not want to go through google image search no, I think that. Did we? The only thing that comes up are stories saying this is insane and these people who do it are insane. Mm -hmm. But nobody's name saying this is someone who does it. And then Josh Brolin doing it. Right. And I don't think we're going to be able to book him. No, you don't think? Oh, we should call CAA and be like, here's what we want to talk to him please? about. 
It would be so fun. <laughs> not the Avengers. No. Not the Avengers. No. <laughs> not even. Not. No. None of it. Just this. No, not Diane yeah. Lane. Not, not his, his dad and stepmom. Not even yeah. her clone dogs. I mean, I'd like to ask Josh, Josh Brolin about Barbara's clone dogs. What, she's cloned dogs? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, she cloned her dogs. Wow. So she just has too much money. Is that we're no. is that what we're saying? No, no such thing. No. <laughs> but yeah, it does say it's the dumbest health trend ever. But you can't find any links. To I love that the, who... Josh, the Josh Brolin story was on Fox News. I'm, well, I'm going to look up his agent. Well, let's see if yes, we can find this. IMDP, IMDP Pro. Oh, he's part of the CAA Speakers Network. Oh. Well, does he have a gig he needs promoting? I don't know. I I just love about? to. Um, let's see. Well, here's his biography. Starred as supervillain Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. Meh. Nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. Uh, here's his biography. For no Country, People right? also viewed these speakers. Yes. Yeah. Inquire below to book Josh Brolin. Let's check his availability. Oh, we got to put in a schedule. I just, I just want his availability. The name of our organization. Should I send it this way? We budget. What speakers? <laughs> Describe your event. Purpose, audience, theme. No, don't. No, the speakers bureau suck. Don't do it that way. Do we? we gotta, do we just write jackassery? Yes. Uh, <laughs> they won't take us seriously. Yeah, we should. We can craft a letter. Mm-hmm. We can post it on our website. Yes. So people can read it. And then we can forward it along to CAA and see what they say. Okay, let's do it. I mean, they're going to ignore us, but I know, but it'll be fun anyway. We'll have a good time, right? Because I just want to use the phrase. Can we close it with "Goonies never say die"? Oh, I think we have to. Mm-hmm. So he said on Instagram, uh, "That's a stupid trend that may be detrimental to your health." Uh, He is crazy burned, and he was going to spend the day shopping with my family, and instead he's icing and using aloe and burn creams because of the severity of the pain. What position do you play on the team? That is a great question. Uh, So I have two different teams. I have one men's team and uh, and a mixed doubles team. And so on a mixed doubles team, it's two-person, one male, one female. And I end up usually throwing the middle three rocks. In a mixed doubles discipline, there's just five rocks thrown on the team. And so one person throws the first and last, mm-hmm. and one person throws the middle three. So I typically throw the middle three. Um, and my female partner, uh, Sarah Anderson, throws the first and last. Um, on my men's team, I have been throwing last rock. Uh, and I and last year, I was sweeping. So it's kind of a, uh, a different sort of lineup because typically – the, the skip, who's sort of like the captain of the ship, tends to throw the last rock, the last couple of rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been throwing the last two rocks, but also sweeping everyone else's rocks except for our skips, who, who actually threw the second set of rocks for our team. Is that the team you had in China where you guys took home? Was it bronze or silver? Yeah, bronze. And that was actually, or sorry, uh, I actually had two trips to China. I had, I had one for the World Cup Grand Final in May, which we took home the bronze. And then I had one just recently in late June um, in which we took home the, the silver. And uh, and that those were both actually my mixed doubles team with Sarah. Okay. 
And do you, I'm assuming, do you have the same teammate constantly or is there a rotation out? For mixed doubles, we have the, the same two, uh, both Sarah and I constantly. Um, and then for our men's team, last year we had just a four player team. So it was, everything was, uh, everything was the same every tournament uh, in and out. And going into this next year, we actually have a five man team. Um, so there'll be a little bit of a rotation uh, kind of incorporated into the structure as we go through the season. And what is the curling season look like month? You know, what, what's the window that that happens? Uh, typically when you think of the curling season, you you're picturing September through March or April. Um, but I, yeah. And as, as the time goes, goes on recently, we've, it, the curling seasons become more and more extended. Uh, and so we've, uh, we've been curling earlier and earlier and we've been curling later and later. And so like, for example, this past year, um, we started, Sarah and I started in, in August, actually in the middle, middle of August. And, and, you know, we had tournaments through, through May and then even into June. Um, it was actually the first time that I've, I've ever curled competitively in June. So it was especially late June. So it was, it was very abnormal of, of, what I had been used to, but it was, it was really fun. And, and I kind of, that's kind of just what I have, uh, what I expect from curling as it becomes more and more professionalized, I think as a sport. So what drew you to curling in the first place? How did you start playing? I started playing curling. I actually grew up, it, it was a family sport for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my parents were heavily involved in the youth curling program in, uh, in Wayland, Massachusetts, Broomstone's Curling Club. And so my dad started as a sport for his fraternity to play against other fraternities. And my mom, when he when she met him, decided that she ought to learn how to curl if she wanted to stick around. And so they they ended up falling in love and they got heavily involved in the youth curling program. And my brother, who's five years old, five years older than me, uh, was already knees deep in, in, into the sport and loved it. And so I kind of just followed in the footsteps as I was naturally at the curling club all the time. Well, the family that curls together. Yes, family that, yeah. <laughs> family that curls together sticks together. <laughs> I love that it was the deal breaker for your dad that your mom had to learn, or she wasn't. They were not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he. I don't know if he expressed that or not. I think she more so just picked up on that. Maybe maybe he gave some just hints. Who knows? Maybe he gave some hints. <laughs> yeah, I don't learn how to curl. I'm on the ice. Is that just a yeah. scroll on the ice right now? Look at these beautiful stones. Yeah, things like that. I know. These beautiful 42 pounds of granite, and they just glide ever so, yes. ever so smoothly across the sheet of ice. Do you have a favorite position of the two from the thrower versus the oh, sweeper? God. I, I love I love both both aspects of it. Um, and, I mean, I think what's, what's even cooler is that in mixed doubles, you kind of incorporate both of, both of them. Um, in, in mixed doubles... You, mm-hmm. I, I find myself basically sweeping every shot, um, and so whether Sarah's the one throwing it or I'm the one throwing, I'm typically uh, always sweeping. Uh, and so, you know, I've I've sort of developed a, a passion for for sweeping over the past few years as I as I developed into a different position on my first men's team. Um, and so after juniors, I sort of took a step back from, I used to skip, mm-hmm. I took a step back from skipping and played second for a competitive men's team for two years. And, uh, and so I, I started sweeping a lot more and, and I absolutely love sweeping. And so, you know, for mixed doubles, I kind of get the best of both worlds and that's what kind of makes it so cool for me. Now as a sweeper, do you have your own broom? Do you have to share? 
is there a variation from broom to broom? Can you, you know, I know like baseball bats or hockey sticks, everybody has their own particulars that they like on their equipment. Is the same thing with a broom and in curling? S- similar. Uh, so every every player has their, their own broom that they can sweep with. And actually every every player can also have their their own sliding broom. And so some curlers slide with different types of brooms, like corn brooms, um, or just the regular carbon fiber broom um, that they sweep with. And so all of, all of our brooms that we use to sweep with, we actually have to um, maintain throughout the whole game. You can't switch brooms with another sweeper. Um, it's, it's kind of like a new rule that's been uh, evolved into the, into the sport as as the past few years have come on and so each each actually broom manufacturer broom has kind of a different uh touch into the game um and you know a different design that's involved and so some brooms we find um you know are better for are better for distance and dragging rocks and some some types of brooms are better for being able to make a rock curl or or hold it straight line wise um and so you know you kind of figure out, you know, which, which, which ship you want to board in terms of the manufacturer equipment standpoint. Um, and then you, you just use that. Uh, and so you can't really throughout a game switch from broom to broom as a sweeper. You've got to kind of maintain, uh, maintain that one broom the whole game. Do you name your brooms? Like, do you have a wonder boy somewhere? I have not even ever thought of that. That's a good question. I <laughs> All right, well, yeah, here. Oh, my no, yeah. I do not have a name for my broom, but you know what? That might be an option I explore this season. I feel yeah. like the fans would really get involved in that. Like, I feel like the fans would really amp up if there was a whole, like, the brooms had their own personas to go with it. Their own personas to go with it. Oh, no. Do you, do you have any recommendations? <laughs> I'm taking recommendations yeah. right now. Anyone's got recommendations, send them in. We would go for Flash, but that's just us. Flash. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with Luke. It's a great broom. It's that like, would it's be like, a great broom. It strikes terror into your opponent. Like who knows <laughs> if it's electrified or what's going on. So. Oh my god. <laughs> How much advanced access do you have to the ice to kind of have a look or determine what the conditions are to kind of make that predetermined? Do I use Flash today or do I use? I don't know. My other brew with the last full day. Yeah. So actually, once you start a tournament, once you start a tournament with with the broom, you kind of got to stick with it throughout the whole tournament. Um, but so different, the entire tournament. Yeah, in different ice That's conditions. Yeah, unless you unless you break it, and then and then the officials get to decide whether you're allowed to pick up a new broom or not that game. Um, but uh, you know. There's there's always different you know from arena to arena or club to club there's different ice conditions and so that's you know as a team uh, you kind of have to um, almost do like a scouting report and kind of get a good look a good read at what the ice is like because that'll always have a uh, like an impact on how the stones behave um, and you know right. how 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 good the ice is in terms of sweeping ability uh, some some sheets of ice. Uh, some different ice conditions is, is the ice is more sweepable. You can drag a, lo- a rock further than than others, right. um, and so that has a little bit of an impact as you go into your into your games and into your tournaments. And with the season going longer and longer on the far ends of the beginning and ending, is the ice different, or am I not taking into account the that thing called the equator? 
and the way seasons work elsewhere in the world? Um, yeah, it's, I think what you find is, um, you know, there's different variabilities that go into, you know, how the ice acts, um, whether it's the, uh, the, the head ice tech, um, whether it's the, like the weather, you know, the, you know, humidifiers, you know, the humid outside, um, and, and, and all those things that kind of incorporate as to whether the ice is, is frostier or whether, you know, it's, it's got a nice kind of, um, like good ice conditions. And, and sometimes at the beginning of the year, because it's still warm, warmer outside that can impact what we see, um, especially in a typical curling club, like in, like in Duluth, um, once you get to the level, uh, in which the weather, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty cold. There's not much humid coming on. Um, you know, you get a bit more consistency, I'd say, at least in a, in a club. Um, but you know, the best ice techs can kind of manipulate it, uh, how they want to, how they want the ice to, to act, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, and there's, there's a whole, I mean, it's way even over my head too. Um, and that's something that I, that I'm trying to learn going forward too. Um, but there's so many different factors out there that go into, how the ice is made and how the ice acts um, during during the uh, during the tournaments. And how has the sport grown since the men's team won uh, gold at the Olympics? Yeah, it's been great. There's been so many people in the U.S. that have become more aware of the sport, I'd say, and just in general the the interest uh, and the attractiveness of the of the sport of curling has has grown quite a bit. You know, people are trying to get out on the ice and try the sport. It's so great to see. Uh, and, and what, what we really need is, is, you know, we need, we need, you know, more clubs to, to be able to, to blossom and, and grow and evolve to be able to incorporate, you know, all of the interest that, that's, that's being, um, that we're seeing grow. Um, you know, everyone wants to curl. It's just, sometimes it's tough to find available ice in different parts of the country. And, and there's, there is, there's actually, you know, most states now, actually have some sort of curling ice whether it's dedicated ice or just arena ice that they have you know a few times a week availability to um but yeah it's been so so great um now the next step is really continuing to build clubs throughout the country especially dedicated ice and uh and try to get uh, a bit more exposure for the sport on a regular basis versus just every four years at the olympics Mm -hmm. um and now you know we're seeing that at the at the World curling championships, mixed doubles, men's, women's, um, you know, we're getting some exposure, which is so phenomenal. Um, it, but now it'd be great to get you know, you know, more events within the U.S. or even within Canada to get rights to expose those on on U.S. television, U.S. networks. So I think that you know, curling definitely has been a sport that has had a lot of misconceptions behind it. Like it's been very underrated for what's involved. What do you think? Um, can be done to sort of help teach people that there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. I think the most helpful thing to help someone understand really what's all entailed in the sport is to get someone out, someone out on the ice and try it. Um, Cause no one really, as you said, understands, you know, how involved and how difficult the sport really is. It's such a precision sport, just kind of like golf. Um, and 
there's, I mean, there's a, there's the physical side of the sport with sweeping. There's the mental side of the sport um, in terms of every single shot under pressure situations. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's all about muscle memory and precision, just like golf. And, and, you know, when you get someone out on the ice, it's, it's so cool to, for them to be able to experience what all is entailed in this sport as you break it down. Um, and they just, you know, it's kind of like a wow moment for them. Um, but it'd it'd be really cool to sort of, you know, make a series that kind of depicts like everything that is entailed so you know they don't have to go out and just try it they can you know they can you know watch a you know you know a different you know a series on a different aspect of the sport and be able to sort of understand it through through that um through that medium and and be able to watch curling and actually know what's going on because you know we find that during the olympics curling is one of the most heavily uh watched sports and you know probably one of one of the factors why is because it, it runs the full length of the event um, but everyone loves watching it. Just some people actually don't really understand what's going on. And so that, that's kind of, that'd be kind of a cool thing to incorporate, I'd say. Yeah, I read somewhere that it's the chess, it's like chess on ice, which I thought was kind of a cool um, way to determine the strategic side of it. Yeah, it's very, it's very much similar to chess on ice in the strategic uh, mindset of the game. You know, you know, every, every shot of the game is, you know, you're moving, you're moving your own pieces to a, to a different part of the, of the puzzle of the game. And, and, you know, sometimes that, 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 that play doesn't go a hundred percent the desired route and, and then you have to adapt. And, you know, as, as the opponent, you kind of gotta, um, you know, you gotta think, you know, if they go, if they make this shot, then, you know, what do I have to do next? And then you're thinking, you know, piece by piece ahead of, ahead of a game, like five, six, seven, seven stones ahead of where you're at and trying to always stay on top. And then, and then as, you know, sort of a mistake or something happens, you have to adapt and then, and then rewind and, and, you know, re-strategize from there. How often do you practice? Is it a everyday thing like, you know, uh, ice skating or is this something you can kind of do in your free time? Yeah, I well, so it always depends too on whether we have whether we have ice, because um, mm. in, in Duluth especially, I'm up in Duluth, Minnesota, and so in Duluth we only have ice from um, October through March, and so and my season starts in August and runs through you know sometimes May, um, right. and so when we have ice in Duluth, I'm practicing basically every day for like an hour, two hours, three hours, even sometimes. Um, and you know, a lot of times I'm traveling too. like basically every weekend or, or most every weekend I'm on the road. And so sometimes when I come home, maybe I'll take a day off, but typically I'll be in the mindset that I want to get right back out on the ice and, and practice something in which, you know, maybe sort of like a, a little bit of a, of a, of a weak spot that I found over the past weekend and wanting to, wanting to regroup and, and work on that sort of aspect of my game um but yeah when i have ice i can tell you i'm mm. be out there every day now the knock on curling and the thing that people always kind of crap on it and say it's not a sport because you can drink de- beer and smoke a cigarette while you play so one of the things we want to do was give you a platform <laughs> and the opportunity to let some of these other sports have it right back like knock the nfl down a peg so if you want to just go ahead and let it out um, you know, like MLB stands for major league boring. Am I right? You want to just go? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Just take it in that, in that regard, honestly, 
that is partially what makes curling so great um, on the social side. But once you once you once you get to the competitive to the elite standpoint, um, we are more focused on on winning and on our on our on our physique, especially as the sport evolves and and this the sports evolve to a point in which you know sweepings become such a heavy part of the game. You know it can make or break um, you know a shot or two shots a couple inches. Um, that that can that can turn a game around and uh, and and this this sport is 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 a lot more than you know beers and cigs on ice nowadays. I'll, I'll tell you, right. you know, any anyone that thinks so, man, contact me, whatever, and I'll get you out on the ice and uh, I'll show you what the sport's really all about. Um, but you know, it's a it's a whole lot of fun, but a whole lot of physical at some points too. And and it's 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 uh, it's a sport to to reckon with too it's it's so much fun though so what's up next for you do you have a little bit of time off we're talking it's midsummer do you have a little bit of time off before everything starts up again uh, so i have about a month off um until uh my men's team has a practice weekend down in chaska and then right after that i, I basically swing into swing into this season with uh, my first event with my mixed doubles partner, uh, Curly Night in America, um, which is held in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so that is basically a made-for-TV series that's going to be on NBC Sports and the Olympic Channel. Um, and so we're, we're representing the U.S. for mixed doubles in that event. Um, and I believe there's going to be China, Japan, and Italy that's going to be there as well. Um, so that'll be super cool. There's going to be a men's and a women's team there too. I think Team Sinclair and Team Schuster will be representing the U.S. on that behalf. Um, uh, until then, I'm I run a landscaping mm-hmm. gig up in up in Duluth, and so that's kind of what takes up all my time as well as classes. I have three classes going on. Um, two of them about to finish up, as well as uh, a capstone course of mine. And so I'm just I am uh, I'm I'm pretty tied up for the next month uh and uh and have a full load but it's, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of time off um it doesn't mean i'm i'm completely stopped training you know i still work on um you know mental skills as well as my my, my physique and making sure i'm in tip-top shape for when the season comes around to watch Corey and his teammate sarah in action they are playing japan this saturday night at 10 p.m on nbc sports as part of curling night in america for more information on the team, check out teamusa.org usa-curling. And to follow Corey on Twitter, he is at kdropkin. Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here? Nigel. <laughs>